Well, listeners, in case you didn't get enough sports today, here's an ad break that'll tell you how to watch even more sports. YouTube is the new home of NFL Sunday Ticket. And if you sign up now, you'll get our lowest full season price of the year. Just go to youtube.com slash presale to get $100 off NFL Sunday Ticket. Watch your favorite team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games, exclusively on YouTube and YouTube TV. All right, enough about sports. Go get more sports. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends June 6. No refunds. Ready. Are you kidding me? That's what? Yeah, every so often it happens that Ryan is right. 100% right. Not even a little <laughs> bit right. Tucker Pullman, two points last game. No kidding. My man. Hey, neither does me running shirtless, but that turned out very well. It so. did. <laughs> Welcome to the PP1 podcast. So it's kind of weird doing kind of a, a day show to start, but whenever you get a chance to chat with the legendary Farhan Lalji of TSN and the Vancast, <laughs> a little bit more popular than our podcast, PP1 podcast, um, you do it. Um, Farhan, welcome to the show. You're busy morning already. Yeah, right from a legend. Maybe in my own mind, not even in my own household. <laughs> Isn't that always the truth, right? Um, yeah. The, things are things are pretty you know, interesting with the connect. We'll get... It's hard to come up. It's hard to come up with a unique name for a podcast. Podcast is good. I, I like it a lot. Well, that's excellent. Um, first and foremost, uh, you and I kind of have an interesting history that you may not know about. Um, when 1040 was still of of relevance, uh, there was a certain hot take Tuesday that uh, you got a phone call from from Sakaris and Price. Um, I had asked uh hot take tuesday farhan lalji cfl head coach in the next 12 months and it was so good they got you on the phone and uh you debunked that pretty quickly apparently tsn pays pretty well <laughs> you know it's it's um football is a big passion i don't know that it's a stupid notion i mean it is i'm not qualified to be a cfl coach but opportunities to be um coach at a, at a high level at the university system. I, you know, it's something that um, hasn't overly interested me. The, the, I did consider making coaching a profession, and, and that was really, really early. Before I really kind of got to where I am in television, before TSN hired me, I did think it was a career path and didn't. Um, you know, I didn't want to a no-name and, and wanting to go down the U.S college circuit which that would have been the dream right to be like an ncaa division one head coach oh, you sure. know that but if you're, you're a nobody where you can't get fast track kind of up a level uh or what have you you you, you have to kind of really grind it out where you're and, and then you know making like 12, 12 grand a year and living in your car and that and i never did i didn't want that life for a family i didn't even have yet and then one you know, I want to say about a decade ago, and and I actually seriously considered, you know, I had a young family that I wanted to spend more time with, not less, and we decided to talk about it, but um, never really had that desire to love the CFL, don't get me wrong, and I have great relationships with many of the head coaches. When people talk about that, whenever there's a, an opening at, at a head coach level or a GM level, uh, and, and if I feel they're not being sarcastic, I'm being flattered, but I have to believe 
Well, I mean, we we just see so much of you, and we know how involved you are on the football side. It just seemed like there's a fit, and who knows? I mean, the world works in interesting ways. Yeah. Um, being that you do a lot of hits for for TV, radio, such as uh, I mean, this morning, um, how many cups of coffee do you go through in a day? I don't drink coffee. I don't touch what? it. And you know, like are I you a water guy? Probably tea? should be uh, water. I don't mind tea. Yeah, you know. The- the, the truth and the truth is, I sleep. Wish I could sleep better than I do, but I wake up constantly. And on a good night, I might get six hours uh, oh. total, like all kind of should drink coffee. But I have kind of an addictive personality, and anything I might get. Well, okay, uh, so we're gonna leave that alone because it's. I kind of put that out on Twitter this morning. There's some interesting answers out there. Um, the Canucks. Let's yeah. get into Vancouver and our our team that we ah, they drive us absolutely crazy obviously last (laughs) night they get shelled by tampa the skate jersey comes back the gorilla marketing free the skate came out they lost again in a new third jersey which seems to be seems to be their thing for some reason as much as we love these third jerseys they just don't seem to work now this isn't the normal skate jersey the one that most of us will remember i mean i'm a i'm a 90s kid so I mean, as as most of uh, the people that remember the skate would would attach to. I don't love what they've done with this. I think just like it seems like everything else with the Canucks, they've pushed something on that they felt was going to work. And it it's got kind of a mixed review. I mean, what are your first thoughts on it now that you've seen it like in a game? I don't like it. Um, first of all, I, I've always had mixed feelings with the skate jersey. And I remember watching the, the team get to the Stanley Cup final in the 80s. And I remember when they to the jersey with the flying V. Yeah. Um, we all loved it because it just seemed like such a boring design and concept. Yeah. And got, you know, what we we love now is this retro look. We then didn't like. We looked at the V and sports psychologists were involved. We thought this was bizarre. And then when they put that on a cool. Um, but then even that kind of became came a little loud and noisy and when they uh, to blue and green after a few other combinations it, it um back but if you're going to go back to it like be legit get some go and in the jersey don't don't give us a futuristic font or a new font give us something to look like it did then it should look like it did then i agree uh like everything else that's being forced on us it looks like we're also being forced uh I don't know if it's a retool or a rebuild. I, I'm really not sure exactly what we're supposed to believe with this. It feels like they're using that word incorrectly. Um, what realistically should the Canucks be doing, um, being that there's kind of enough there, yet there's not enough? Like, What should we realistically be expecting in the next little bit? Because, I mean, you and I both know we've been forced a lot of things, and, well, here we are still. Yeah, it's a tough question because, you know, when Jim Rutherford talked about the fact that they don't have a good team, he's not wrong. But there's a lot of other things he talks about how, how uh, I know everybody wants this to happen. You know, kind of referred to the market as not being patient. Well, it's it's crazy because and they don't want it quickly, right? There's been so much pain and mismanagement for that everybody would like to see a reasonable vision and are willing to be young and entertaining and 
and expensive, but you, we know what's coming. We, we, we see a light at the end of the tunnel, and, and we don't see that because when you – which Trevor Linden did in 2014, okay, we understand what we're retooling. He's an appearance in the Stanley Cup final, you know, one of the most entertaining teams in the league. We understand what we're retooling from. What exactly are we retooling? Really? Like there's no retool there. They have to build it, let alone rebuild. You know, but when I look at it, Pedersen's a good building block. Hughes is a good building block. Horvat's a, a good building block. Miller can, can be a good building block. We've got a couple of young pieces in the system, whether it's uh, Pod Colson or or a whole Kuzmenko, and you know, so there's there's little bits and pieces here that you think the uh, foundation of a good team, but collectively the mix is back end is terrible and their contracts are terrible and you know i I, i've said i'm not i'm not stepping down from that it is so when these ingredients and some of which taste good and some of which taste bad and you put them together so you know i i don't know how they're gonna based on the contracts they have and the timelines that rutherford's press conference throughout okay three years and he's like oh well, that's fair, uh, and we right um, that we we can do this quickly, and that's certainly what the owner wants to hear. And I certainly is their preferred path. It's not like it's been forced on them. So I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel because of some of those contracts that are which were left to them, some of which they've added. Um, so I don't know how it's going to get get fixed because ultimately it's it's going to involve a buyout on Oliver. Right, and if they do it yeah. now, I think it'd be a bad idea, right? If, if you're going to do it, like deal with a bit of pain, but put yourself in a situation when you finally do it, how much extended pain on the back end of it in terms of of how much it, it dives into your, you know, let the Tyler Myers thing play itself out, right? You got impatient, brought it with the final year on a bunch of bad contracts. Don't do that again, you know. So there's a, there's a few under. It doesn't lie. Up. There was so much mixed messaging in terms of what we like the core. We got to change the core. Major yeah. surgery. There was just so much mixed. I just, just don't know. I know what they want to do. I just don't. Yeah, it's. I and I think the problem is, and I've kind of got a rant for our second after the show uh, when I have my buddy Ted on here. Um, just about that. I think we're just frustrated because we've heard the same thing so many times and now it's just the frustration of like we, we get what's happening right now but it's kind of culminated to like three versions of this and we're just 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 give us something different than than we've seen and then you know the whole Horvat thing comes and i was really mad about what he kind of said and how we need major surgery and we need to maybe blow up the core but not blow up the core and then i re-listened to what he had to say and it's a shame that more GMs don't actually talk that honestly. And it's probably because they enjoy having their job, but the fact that he gave out an offer to Bo that they felt was respectable and fair based on his body of work, not this year, which is, I, I don't, I'm sure we've all thought this for years and years. It's really too bad that you can't pay the guy for, you know, this, this body of work and what we still believe he is not for the outlier year, which I mean, Bo was a great guy having a phenomenal season and he deserves to get paid. But how many times do you see a guy have his, you know, career year 
one singular and then gets the big payday jeff finger style basically and that's where this all started i'll still go back to that way back when but you see one guy have a big year and all of a sudden he gets this massive contract and obviously a lot of these guys don't live up to it there's a handful that do but we know who bull harbett is we've seen enough there's nothing new here we know he can score we know he can score 30 goals we know that he can distribute the puck he's great off the rush he's having a phenomenal year this year but if the Canucks were to actually pay what he's asking for, and we all believe that it's above the sevens and potentially the eights if somebody's going to offer it, they can't do that. And you'd look at all these things that have culminated to where they are now, like you said about Tyler Myers and OEL. At some point, they have to stop doing the exact same thing that they've been doing because things were working out before they had to rebuild or retool or wherever it was, even back with Mike Gillis. And he was probably on the cusp of maybe one more little thing there. And then it's just been an absolute cluster since then. So, I mean, I give props to Rutherford for coming out and saying that at the same time, you know, here we go with another coach. They could have probably just not had Bruce Boudreaux as much as we all love him. And he did a great job last season, but I really don't know what they actually expected to happen this season because there's no way they were going to catch lightning in a bottle and continue that. It just doesn't work that way. No, it doesn't. But really, he had done enough last year to warrant coming back for the final eight out, right? So I'm sure mm-hmm. ownership had something to do with that. But look, 57 game percentage, and let's let's keep him and let's get him into his final year, right? So got him back. It's unfortunate that right from the minute he came back, they didn't run the way they said they were going to and and they made it about him really early on in the process I certainly hate the way they've treated him uh you know he's a good man who's a proven coach in this league uh you know the problems with this team anybody that can objectively look at it will know the problems are construction especially on the back end and not not point the finger at bruce but here, here they, they've gone about this and how they've handled the rick talking situation and all of that that's that's tough if you, if you watch tnt over the weekend it it yeah. wasn't comfortable for Rick talking either, right? So, so uh, disappointed with how they've handled it for, for sure. You know, in terms of the contracts, I wish they could sign Bo. I really do. But not, not with what they've done to move J.T. Miller a year ago. And my, my sense of it is, is that they thought they didn't. And it almost became an I'll show uh, towards the Horvat camp. And they pivoted really quickly. You talk about guys that are getting contracts for what they did in a one-year outlier. How about JT Miller? Yeah, season again. perfect again. example. Even when they signed him to that, that deal, they said they don't expect him to have a 99-point year again. But if he can get in the mid-80s, it'll be great for us. And he's not even going to get to that, right? I mean, he may get to the mid-80s in his career, but it ain't going to be this year. So they put themselves in this bind and... They set their own internal salary cap, like for Bo Horvat by signing mm-hmm. JT Miller, right? I mean, you give me a choice between those two, ten out of ten times, and people will say you want him because he's a good guy, right? Because he is, he he fits in on the leadership scale to what some of the other, he's a legitimate center. He's mm-hmm. a legitimate center, legitimate center. They convinced themselves that he was, and now they're paying him center money. Whereas, you know, Bo should want, want more. He's he's going to outperform. And again, they set their own 
comparable, and he's an actual center, which is a position of greater value. When they trade Bo Horvat, which they will, what will happen at that point? Six million to come in and be a center. That's a reclamation project and not nearly as a call. And they're talking about paying a winger in Andre Kuzmenko $6 million, and they won't pay. I'd take Bo at eight over Kuzmenko at six any day. They're only one year apart in age. Not to sit here and say they need to pile good, good money on after bad with what they've done. Move, move them. Like, move Bo, move Kuzmenko, move others uh, out of the Miller deal right now. I would. Because, uh, you know, I, I don't know what coexists. So, you know, like, they got themselves out of a, a lot of messes here. So, I speaking to Bo a little bit more. We've obviously heard a few of the places that he's kind of rumored. Like, have you heard anything beyond kind of the Boston's and uh, I can't remember who the other teams were out there, but like, is there any more? Boston, Colorado. Yeah, you know, there, there's a lot of teams that are interested. There's a lot of teams who would line up, but they believe the asking price is too high. Uh, Minnesota's got interest. Um, uh, Colorado, obviously, uh, even Edmonton and, and uh, um, see how Edmonton would possibly make that fit cap wise but um you know it could depending on what happens with the dry settle but i i don't i don't know but there's there's some others that creatively are going to be able to find a way it, it really can as a long-term piece so whether they view them as a rental right uh and yeah. in terms of what is valued there i think whatever comes back is going to be underwhelming i i really do because they couldn't get back what they wanted for jt miller when they were we're looking at trading him, and so I, 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 I'm not convinced that they're going to be able to, you know, find or whatever it is, is to make the market feel good about losing Bo Horvat. I think is it maybe just a product of everybody knows where this team's sitting, so they know that they can almost get away with. Well, we know what you're asking for, but we know where you guys are sitting, and we're kind of in the driver's seat of what we're willing to give you. I think the Canucks probably created their own demise in whatever trade, like whether it is a Brock Besser or Kuzmenko or Bo Horvat or whoever, maybe even a Luke Shen, like everybody knows where the Canucks are sitting. It's common knowledge that they're in trouble. And, you know, you can come to them and say, well, this is what we're willing to give you. And at some point, the Canucks, we talked about this a few weeks ago on our show, like they got to start taking some L's or at least some half L's anyway, and just start, you know, you're going to take some losses. It's, it's inevitable. Some, whatever the next move is, is going to be some kind of a loss. There's not going to be many wins in the next year or two. And I think most of us are okay with that because that's the nature of the business, but they, they have to do something. There has to be at least something to prove, Hey, at least we're willing to make some headway a little bit. We're going to show the rest of the market, the rest of the GMs that, you know, we're, we can make some moves, maybe probably build some credibility towards the organization, not the GM, not the president, but how the organization has been run for so long and just say, listen, we can still play the way we used to play, but um, it's going to take some time to build that back up, I think. Yeah, you know, for, I mean, there's going to be interest in Luke Shen. He's a very movable piece, right? But what are you going to move him for? They're lucky. But you know what? You, you, you do that at this stage. And if you want to circle, I'd love to see them get Luke Shen back here. I, I think he is a, a character only peer in that room in terms of that end is Bo Horvat, right? But, mm -hmm. uh, in your third pair, I don't think that's a bad thing. As far as Horvat's concerned, it's a market, right? 
So mm -hmm. hopefully there is a market by the deadline and he's a little piece at a desirable position. Whereas the other guys are wingers, right? right? Look at Brock Besser, who all of a sudden, like, just think about it. They complicated uh, because he had a QO coming and they extended her to get off him. Like, that's a crazy way to to, to do business. And one, one year, you know, um, Connor Garland, the same thing, right? I mean, he's actually at an affordable winger and there's a million of those guys. And, you know, they haven't put him in a position to succeed wingers they've got in the organization so, so you know I, I it was me i would probably take the pain of the remaining two years on brock besser uh Adler myers deal um you know you, you probably try to find a way to move connor guard for some other people but yeah they'll, they'll have to take some some l's along the way take too big of an l on um you, you can't take the because uh, just of, of how, how he's seen in the marketplace. But the other thing the organization lies, and so does the marketplace, is opportunity cost. Right? Mm -hmm. you look at what happened and how they, they lost two key players, right? In Gaudreau and Kachuk, took those salaries and, and they brought back Huberdeau uh, uh, and who else did they get? Uh, a cadre, right? Yeah. So, you know, you, you spend that money. And whether they took advantage of the opportunity cost, and that's ultimately what's going to have to happen that's so everybody's going to have to view it but don't accelerate it because you look at calgary and they so you know we've got mark and we've got these other pieces so we've got to do it now to do it now they can hang on for a little bit and then and, and then use that in fact go up because it's not going to go up significantly this year so you might want, yeah. want to deal with a bit of poor you strike in two years i think uh i think everybody well They've said that we're not patient. We are definitely patient. So if they can prove any of this to us, I think most of us would be, I mean, the realistic, the realistic fans and the people that have followed this team and that understand that obviously how the business works, I'm okay with it. I have one question. We'll get into a little bit of football and let you go. So Jay Pat, there was a pretty big explosion that a lot of people found out uh, <laughs> earlier this week about uh, him not being at uh, at games and being in the scrums at the arena. Um, this has kind of been going on for a little bit. Uh, I mean, J-Pat's been dealt a couple blows over the past couple of years with 1040 and then going over um, and finally with uh, GoGo Sports now. Are, are the Canucks still kind of, and I mean, this is a free speaking space at the same time, you know, I, I know where you collect a paycheck from and your job needs to be appropriate as well. Are they still kind of archaic in the sense that digital media to them is still not real? Is there like, and I'm, I'm going to go conspiracy theory for like two seconds. Is there not necessarily like an agenda against it, but like, do they have something against like, you know, the guys that are actually speaking out the truth that are asking the hard questions that actually get a pause or an awkward silence, like Matt Sakaris and Jay Pat. And I mean, back in the day, Jason Botchford, they were asking questions that had to have real answers. And if they didn't, you know, you heard about it in the market. Is there, is, is there something to that? It's, it just, it feels like there is, and I don't know what you can speak to it, but I, I feel it should be out there. I'm kind of, I'm, I'm kind of in a, in a delicate spot on that one. Right. Um, Jay, you know, James this year, and we've been able to kind of work together to um, to make that happen. But uh, I, certainly, he's a he's different than most digital media. His amount of time that he's had in the 
the marketplace. So it would have been nice if if policy or some way to make it work had been uh, crafted at the beginning of the season. I think all teams are trying to wrap their head around that, right? Digital media and who's pro um, and what's appropriate and what isn't. And they've certainly allowed digital media men that are more writer or, or you know print based, right? Like whether mm-hmm. it's uh, on the Daily Hive or um, Daniel Wagner, for, for example, uh, Pastor yeah. Boulos and, and his platforms that he's got. Vancouver is awesome. Can they have, you? but in, in, ter- in terms of podcasting and things like that, I think there's still a ways to go. And our team is about this, and I think they're all trying to wrap their head around it. And I think there are some conflicts with with other elements uh, at play. Yeah, that plays into some of the decision making. I don't think anybody's got a personal problem with JPAT. Best in the business in terms of asking the tough questions, Absolutely. and uh, you know, and, and hopefully some's readdressed where we can be in there on a uh, on a full time basis as, as opposed. to you know, creating solutions uh, in other ways that we've been do- doing to this point. You know, I'm I'm not going to sit here and, and be overly critical of the club, but uh, at the, I can't say enough good things about JPAT and Sakaris and Goat Sports, their platforms with yeah. Quiet and things like that, because they do a great job. I just feel, and again, I'll, we'll leave it at, at this kind of after. I just, we know the names that are in the room. We've seen... Uh, most of us until you know twitter and everything's really taken off we've seen what the scrums look like and they're massive in a canadian market obviously vancouver is one of those massive canadian markets we've seen the scrums and they're you know 10 deep kind of in a semicircle there and then to when you start hearing these things like oh these guys like these are the usual suspects we know who's in the room we know it's you know there's yourself there's i or on a varied basis imac and uh J-Pat and, and, you know, Pasta Dabulis and now Canucks Army. And we're, we're seeing all these guys that are in there. And just to hear that one of the main contributors that is covering this team, um, critical or not, you would think that they would want to continue to have that coverage. Again, personal opinion, but it's, you know, especially with the way the team has gone in the last 10 years, if you're still wanting to have people or if people are still willing to be covering this team on a, you know, a, a professional level, would they not want more people to be spreading the news of whatever it happens to be? Yeah, I, you know, I, to a point, right? I, I mean, I think that the, all of pro this is everybody tries to control their, their own media, right? So uh, sure, uh, everybody has things on their own sites and their own platforms and have their own content and yeah, drive things like that. So there is that, right? And creating your own exclusivity around your own and your broadcast rights holders along with the general media that you can't necessarily get. The scrums aren't huge, right? And this is the thing that people don't quite get because against this, not because I'm just trying to defend my industry, but the, the Canucks don't get the coverage they did. I mean, they, they might get the volume, but it's from such fewer sources. Jim Rutherford press conference, there were 10 journalists, right? 10. And three Canucks... Uh, broadcast crew, right? Like Murph and Batch and Randy, yeah. who, who ask what we can ask because they're part, part of the team broadcast and, and full respect to those um, in their own areas. But, you know, we had big scrums. That's what the media in this city was huge. Kevin said mm-hmm. four or five guys each and competed against each other, even though they had the same owner, two of them, right? 
It's yeah. like PJ and and uh, um, a columnist attached to it, right? Anymore, yeah. it's it's complete. Forty is gone, right? There's less and less um, stream independent media, right? And so, um, I want more people talking about it, right? Especially when you're bad, because at some point, to apathy, that's not a good place to be for an organization. But right now, I think uh, how much they want out there versus how much they want to do internally, and they're not alone in every sport. So uh, looking at the Canucks, um, you know, there was a time 10 years ago when you'd listen to people around the Leafs, and they were talking and say, you have no clue because Vancouver is just as big in terms of volume of media, whereas now it's the other way around for me. People are like, oh, this is – this big, and I'm thinking, no, it's not. It's not even close to what it used to be. So, the worm of that franchise, I'd be a little nervous about it. Do what I can to to keep more. Fair enough. Okay, we're gonna finish on football. I know uh, we got some fun. Last weekend was amazing. I mean, thank you, Jacksonville, yeah. for entertaining my entire weekend. Um, <laughs> what do you? Who do you have this weekend? And. Uh, a final question: Like uh, you're going to both champion or one of the championship games, and then the Super Bowl? Yeah, probably the NFC title game, and then the Super Bowl. Um, okay, uh, not traveling this week. But I've got the favorites, quite quite frankly. And generally, it doesn't happen where you have the differences getting in. But I, I don't know that there's a path around that this time. There's such a huge gap between the top quarterbacks in the AFC. NFC. Quite frankly, I think the top five quarterbacks in the league are in the AFC. I've, and Justin Herbert, who lost last week, you know, with with maybe Jalen Hurts as somebody, you know, even Lamar Jackson when he's healthy is an AFC quarterback. But then you look at the defense, and I see Philadelphia and San Francisco as the two best defenses remaining. In you know, when I look at the AFC, I think Kansas City is going to find a way. I mean, it, it's a great story with you late in the season. Get into the playoffs and mm-hmm. to come back and win that game. And I are in this league, but um, you know Doug Peterson's a great coach. But if you read, I'm still going to take them to find a way to get through uh, in that game, game at Harmon. Uh In the other side, um, I look at Cincinnati and I look at Buffalo. And deep down, I kind of think Cincinnati's better. I think they're the most. However, three injuries along the off offensive line and yeah. playing around that with the finishing off the DeMar Hamlin game between these two teams in a way and both teams I think got lucky to win last week and I look over on the other side Giants are a great story the resurgence of Danny Dimes in his fourth year is a great story better and they're playing at home and if Jalen Hurts is fully healthy I think they find a way to win that game. path to victory for Dallas against San Francisco in San Francisco uh, Defense is so good. Every other element of that San Francisco team is so better than Dallas, and they're going to yeah. win. Oh, I agree. Home. Yeah, it's uh, we have our work pick them, and one of one of the people went six for six last week. So, I mean, a few of us are going to be taking some chances just to have a shot at it. So, um, I don't know. I I I see Buffalo kind of making their way. I think the I wouldn't put it on the Hamlin story, but I think. Buffalo, I think, still has a lot to prove that they are exactly who they're saying they are. And I think Josh Allen could, uh, he can make some fireworks going uh, basically all the way to the Super Bowl. And I mean, 
at this point, I mean, they've, they've heard enough. So it would be nice to see, it'd be nice to see a Cinderella story actually pan out at the same time. Maybe the Bengals figure some stuff out, but there's a lot of good teams left. So, um, we're, we're at 30 minutes. I appreciate uh, you coming by Farhan as, uh, I, I don't know if you got any other ones. You can always click this button. That was easy. And just keep rolling <laughs> along. Um, I do appreciate you coming by. Good luck. Uh, Good luck covering the the next couple of weekends of football. This is, I think, most of our favorite time of year to to cover this. The NFL playoffs are unlike anything other. We love our Stanley Cup playoffs too, but there's just something about the path to the Super Bowl that keeps you stuck on your couch for the weekend. We couldn't think of anything better. Thanks for covering some Canucks with us as well. Um, have a great one. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me, Ryan. Take care. It's your boy, Josh Elijah here, co-host of the Down by Two podcast and DB2Bets, which now drops every Friday. We wanted to break off a piece of that weekend action, so we decided to move our show over to Fridays. Now you might be asking yourself, what in the hell is even DB2Bets? Daddy, chill. What the hell is even that? Well, DB2Bets is our sports betting show that is powered by Betstamp. We use the Betstamp app to find the best odds available across all different sports books. And be sure to tune in every Friday and follow along with our picks. Or don't use our picks. Do the opposite. It's your life. Make your own decisions. Just make sure you line shop and please gamble responsibly. I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app.